Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the crazy high-scoring action from the round in the Premiership and the URC. Plus, we'll be having a chat with Worcester centre Ollie Lawrence after they beat Newcastle on an emotional day at Six Ways. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. How's your week been, lads? All good. Andrew, yours might have been more eventful than mine. Mate, you must have had stuff going on because you put pictures of yourself on a Harley Davidson. Oh, Brian, look at my content <laughs> <laughs> on social media. Brian O'Driscoll, please interact with me so I get more followers. He's all over me. I don't have to buy any more from Indonesia. I've stopped buying them now. I, well, I stopped buying, I bought them once and the algorithm died. So I've not bought any more on social media. Andrew, there's rumours that you've been buying. On what? I don't buy oh, anything, mate. Deny, deny. That that's the rumor. The rumor through the agents of. So, mate, just are you've been buying followers? That's all I've heard. That's all right, I've mate, been don't, told. Don't don't turn it around on me because I've I've exposed you. You're an embarrassment. How was your weekend anyway, Jim? You've been on your bike. We've seen it on social media. You went back to work. I thought you said you weren't working anymore for the URC, but then. You've got the tail between your legs and you've gone back, have you? Well, you say work, it was awkward as anything because Tom Shanklin and John Barkley were doing it and they do this midweek show that they do called Under the Boots or Under the Sticks or something that three people watch. So they're now like a team. They're like the me and you of the URC. So I'm stood on the outside and it's one of them, you know, where like there's a question asked and you're all trying to get your bit in. I may as well have been. Skeleton's head on the end. I did absolutely nothing apart from watch what was a great game, Andrew, but... Not a lot really to report home about. That's why I'm putting it out on social media. Me on a bike to Brian O'Driscoll. Look at me, bud. He's all over me at the minute. I don't know what it, he's loving me at the minute for whatever reason. You're begging him to like your tweets and all your stories and stuff like that. Why? Brian, <laughs> Brian, this is content for you. <laughs> why have you not interacted, Andrew? Sorry, I, I think I've liked some of it, but um, I had a family weekend. I had no work on this weekend. It was quite nice. We went to London all day on Sunday. Went to the zoo, Jim, London Zoo. I hate it. Went there. And then we went to watch Matilda in the West End. Took the, the twins to watch Matilda because they did it in a play themselves a couple of months ago. And yeah, they loved it. I've eaten too many sweets. That's my problem. When you're with the kids, you're like, what do you want, girls? Sweets. I'm like, okay, daddy wants them too. So I spent all weekend eating sweets with the kids. And the missus isn't happy because they've been climbing the walls because of all the sugar and all that stuff. But I've been fine. It hasn't even touched the sides of me, to be honest. I was just my usual... Mature self. Funny you say that. I've understated my weekend because I was a great father. I took the kids to the cinema to watch this dog Superman film. I don't even know what it was. I mean, I'm going to come on to the reason why I don't know what it was. So I bought the kids a load of sweets, super dad, sat there, fell asleep, right? Next thing I've woke up, <laughs> I'm like, where's Freya? She ain't here. She's not next to me. She's in the front row. So that you go down the stairs to the disabled section at the front. And she's sat in there. I can't see her anywhere. So I'm panicking. Anyway, super dad. And that's what sweets do for you. So I've had two snakes and I've literally fell asleep. I've had a sugar crash. <laughs> super dad is all I'm saying. So, hell of a weekend. 
Well, before we get on to the rugby, don't forget we've got our first live show of the season on Wednesday at Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium in London. They're hosting the Barbarians versus an All Blacks 15 later in November. So this is a chance to come and check out the epic stadium and watch a live rugby pod with special guest Chris Ashton. Tickets are five quid and the proceeds are going to the Ed Slater Foundation. So get on to eventbrite.co.uk and search for Rugby Pod to get involved. It's Wednesday, so tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, it's at 7pm and tickets are limited, but there are still a few left. So get in there while you can. Should we have a look at the England squad? Because that's been named the the training squad for the for October, hasn't it, Goody? Yeah, it has. And I say this... Every year, when Eddie Jones names a squad, about four weeks, five weeks, six weeks before the Autumn Internationals, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I say who cares. Obviously, you know, if you're the players in there, and you know, there's some obviously new guys going into the squad, the likes of Hugh Tizard, Alex Coles, in terms of the second row, you know, it's amazing for the guys that have been picked. But we all know that Eddie Jones plays games with the squad. He's resting some players. He's not picked others. And in effect, you know, he's trying to have a look at as many people as possible. He has to name a squad for some training that they've got within the agreement between the RFU and the Premiership clubs. And so he uses that realistically, not as a, this is my squad that I'm definitely going to play all the games with in, in the Autumn Internationals. But we've got four games on the spin. So he's going to look at a few different combinations. We start off with Argentina, then Japan, then finish with the All Blacks and South Africa. So I think he'll play some different combinations in the first two games and see where we get to. But yeah, I mean, listen, there's questions around. Carl Sinclair's not in it. He's told him to stay back and, and work on his match sharpness for Bristol. Joe Marchant's not in it. Nor's Henry Slade, those two, which was a bit of a surprise to me to not see them in there. But this is Eddie Jones doing what Eddie Jones does. So uh, I'll, I'll take it all with a pinch of salt. He likes Joe Thockensinger, doesn't he? I'm not being horrible. Here, and I'm not being horrible to Bath who haven't won a game and haven't looked like winning a game. But Caden Murley, for me, if there's a lad who's yeah. not put his hand up and there's a lad who's not in there who deserves to be in there, he's one. Yeah. I'm not saying he should be in there ahead of Joe Thocken Singh. I'm not saying that, even though I've put you them are. two in the set. I kind of am. You are. All right, okay, just bloody do it, Jim. Yeah, I am. I think Caden Murley should be in there ahead of Joe Thocken Singh. I'm happy to say that. A couple of in the forwards who I think... I've got a real chance. You mentioned Hugh Tizard there, and I tried to get something out of Kelly and say, at what point does it become untenable to try and pick and sign decent players for your team because the likelihood is they go away with England and we can get onto the whole RFU relationship with Prem clubs because I know there's credits or whatever, but it's almost like if you're the coaches and say you've got someone like Tim Swinson who's there every week or my good self who's there every week, old news, but then you get someone like Hugh Tizard into your squad, a young lad coming through, and as soon as you've had him, two games in, he's in the England squad. It's almost like, well, you've shot yourself in the foot then, haven't you? By signing a good young English player, thinking you might have two or three years to develop him. But because he's gone to Saracen, he's a good player already and he's he's gone. Whether or not he'll play or not, but I think he might. And Patrick Schickeling. Schickeling-a-ling-a-linger. Schickeling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-do. He's a good player, he is. I reckon... He's got a real opportunity. I reckon that's one place England a week. Tight head. Tight head. Yeah, I say in the front row, tight head specifically. They've got Genji. Hepburn's been carving up. We know Joe Marler can do a job when he wants to play. But tight head. Yeah, I think that that's one place. And I'm looking at Schickling and Lingalinga do. And I'm thinking, mate, you've got a shot here. You really have. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, you look at the tight heads. Obviously, Carl Sinclair's not in the squad. He'll get picked without a shadow of a doubt for the autumn. The best tight end this weekend was uh, your old mate, Jim. And we'll come on to the games in a minute. But 
Dang and Cole. Well, I mean, he's mates with you again. He's out of contract. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I was going to say. And there's chat about why, why isn't Coley in the squad because he's worked on his game and every aspect of it looks good. But yeah, you're talking about the guys in there. Joe Hayes at Leicester as well. Tighter prop. shika ling a ling a ling ding He's in there. But yeah, it is an area where we certainly have to strengthen. What about Sam Simmons, Goody? Well, interestingly, it's great to see him in the England squad. You know, Billy's on great form as a number eight from the start of the season. We know Don Brandt started the first game exceptionally well and started the second game really well, but then he's done his hammy, so he's out for a while. It's great to see Sam Simmons in the squad. He came off the bench for Exeter yesterday, being Sunday. And interestingly, he's leaving and signed for Montpellier to replace the returning Zach Mercer. I wonder if Eddie Jones can just pick them all come the summer. Get Zach Mercer in because he's officially starting at Gloucester. But then Sam Simmons, when does he start at Montpellier? Do you have to have special dispensation to pick him? Who knows? But great to see him in the squad. Shame to lose him to Montpellier. But as Ali Hefer said on the TV, he's got a great opportunity for him and his family. Obviously, that means he's earning a boatload of Euros, which you know, he fully deserves. And it's a great lifestyle choice because although Exeter is a beautiful place to live, Solcombe and places around there are absolutely stunning. Montpellier... Although you didn't like it, did you, Jim? It's uh, an unbelievable place to live. A lot of dog shit on the floor, I'll be honest. It, it, the comedy, <laughs> there was. One of the kids went through on his bike and slipped straight off. I say one of them, it was a he, it was JJ. <laughs> well, let's look at some of the action on the field then, because there were points galore this weekend. But the most came in the final game on Sunday, with Quinns coming back from 31-7 down at half-time, only to just lose out to Exeter at the death. Was it a forward pass from Hogg? Yes. No. Oh, is that because you don't like Harlequins, Jim, or...? In my opinion, well, it's not in my opinion, it was. It was a 50-50 call. The issue people are having is the fact that Dean Richards, the TMO, called it forward. But Tempest had, Tempest was next to it. So he said on the field decision try, and it was a 50-50. For me, it was as flat as as flat as flat a pancake. It's going to say as flat as your chest, Andrew. But my goodness <laughs> me, then that would be forward if it, that was the case. But hell of a game first. So... We probably want to talk about that. Hell of a game. Andrew, I don't know if you watched it live or you were watching the polar bears that are locked up in a zoo in London where there's no snow. <laughs> or you went back and watched it, I think, didn't you? I did. I, well, I put the kids to bed and I watched it then. So I was off my phone. So I didn't want to find out the result. Hell of a game. Like you're watching it. In the first half, it was like a team run for Exeter. You're going through the motions. It was the extra evolved. Chinza. Oh, my Chinza. Real deal. Yeah. Massive and ridiculously quick. But Exeter just blew Quinns off the park. Quinns didn't even turn up, really. And I think... When you listen to Taboy Matson talking after the game, he's sort of saying it's the first game since he turned up and he's been there a season where Quinns didn't turn up in that first half. Quinns have got this unbelievable ability just to come back from any deficit, really. They did it to Bristol's in the semi-final, not last season, the season before. They did it to Mont- against Montpellier as well in the Champions Cup last year. Marcus Smith had a conversion to win the game when... They were dead and buried way before. They've just got an unbelievable ability to never know when they're beaten. And they can score from anywhere at any time. Some quality attack. They were absolutely nowhere in the first half. And they dominated that second half. And it was a phenomenal game. And the big issue, we'll get to the forward pass or not forward. I think where you've got to really question the referee and the TMO relationship is for one of the extra tries, and I'm pretty sure it's Schickling's try, Ian Tempest has used the words to the TMO, Dean Richards, you've got the HD screen, I'm, you've got the better screen there, I'm going to be guided by you on this one. And so it's over to you. He was putting the emphasis back on him. Yet when it comes back to Stuart Hogg's pass, which was forward, he's probably got his hair stuck in his eyes. He, I mean, oh my lid, we'll come on to that in a minute about Stuart Hogg. But Tempest has then changed it and said, you know, unless you can show me clear evidence, I can't see it. And he was rushing to make the decision. 
right? And it, even in the background, Dean Richards, the TMO, is like, it's forward, it's for, trying to talk to him, and he just ignores him. So he's gone from one extreme of saying, you make the decision in one instance, and saying you've got the HD, big HD screen there, you'll be able to see it clearer than me, to then the other end of the spectrum, he's like, no, nah, it's just a try. I think he just wanted safe passage out of Sandy Park, make sure his, his tyres weren't getting nicked or something, because he'd have got absolutely lynched had he not given that try. Unbelievable atmosphere. The finish was outstanding. A real quality match for very different reasons. Defence, obviously optional, but I think Quinns can feel hard done by. You could say there's an argument for, and this comes back to investment and growing the game, because if that call does have a bearing at the end of the season, it might well do, and people might go back to that pass and say that was important to the context of how it looks. But, you know, the spider cams at the stadiums at Twickenham and, and, and these national stadiums, I think there's an argument for stuff like that now, especially when the games are so important. I know there's no relegation, but it comes down to that. You might get a better view from that. I don't think the, the evidence, what I saw, was conclusive. I, I'd say it was 50-50. And I'm a bother. Don't bother me either way. Like, I'm not a Quinns or an Exeter fan. So it's purely impartial to get a bit of social media interaction. Next time, I'm going to tag Bod and see what he says. <laughs> Well, it was a try fest at Ashton Gate as well, wasn't it? Between Bristol and London Irish. 11 tries altogether. Said Bristol's were going to come good this season. Did you? Yeah, I did. I did. I said with Genji there and McGinty, I thought they'll be good. Did I say top four? I think you didn't put them in your top uh, four. No, I didn't. Games. No, no, but I should have maybe. <laughs> maybe I should have. You just put maybe on the end. But Bristol's look good this year. They really do. Feels like something's clicked for them. Yeah, I think the offloading game was ridiculous. And like Jim says sometimes, summer rugby... The conditions were great. The pitch is fast down there at Ashton Gate and they play an exciting brand of rugby that gets people not only in the stadium to get their bombs on the seats, but their bombs out the seats when they are offloading for fun. Some of the tries, some of the offloads were mesmeric at times. Charles Piertel back to his best. He must be out of contract as well. They haven't even got semi-round Randra playing yet. But um, yeah, AJ McGinty started at 10, looked good. Harry Randall, who's not been picked for England after going on tour to Australia, thought he was outstanding for Bristol. But London Irish... And our old mate, Henry Arundel, how good was he? Yeah, he's intercepted one from AJ McGinty. He's just ridiculously good. Like his footwork, his sort of low sense of gravity, but his ability to bounce people off. He's got proper dad strength or something when he's about 12 years old. Ridiculously quick, quality player. And he kept Irish in it and they were unlucky. They had a shot towards the end, 40, 36 down, and they're attacking in and around Bristol's 22. Bristol would be a little bit disappointed with a bit of their game management towards the end of the game to let Irish come back into it. But again, the excitement of the Premiership. There was four games on Saturday, right, that were on live in the Premiership. And they put one on BT Sport, obviously, the East Mids derby. You've got some of the other games, Bristol Irish, Saracens Gloucester, the Worcester game against Newcastle were the other three. And they deserve to be on TV because they were unbelievable matches. And that's how to grow the game. We talk, we talk about it regularly at the minute. Everyone's talking about it. And I know people will say it's on Premiership Rugby TV. The actual way that works and the quality of product that you're putting out there is nowhere near good enough, in my opinion, at the minute to be charging people. But you want to see those games live on TV because it is so exciting to watch the Premiership at the minute. We'll come to the URC in a bit. That was a tri-fest as well. But great stuff. Bristol, they're getting people watching. Genji was ridiculous again. And Jim, I think they're definitely top four. Can we change our top four and put them back in it? I reckon halfway we should be able to change or add or delete, but then make it like, as in like a proper bet. So go deep on that, where you'd have to spend a night with the polar bears at London Zoo with no snow and see if you survive, <laughs> and I'll do something else. On that point specifically, I think it's a great point, Goody, something that we've spoken about 
Everyone is talking about growing the game. This is what we need to do. What do we do? How do we do it? But that's such a, a valid point. You can't have two or three games on at the weekend and expect to grow that product. I mean, we're watching the highlights of some of the games. Some of them, you don't even get to see all the highlights. So we're judging players or not seeing players and not talking about players and not therefore growing the game or growing their profile because you don't get to see it. And I put something out about CBC and people are like, well, CBC, they've put their money in. What have they got to do with anything? Well, they've got everything to do with it because they've seen an opportunity of growth. They've seen an opportunity where the game can grow. They've done something in Formula One. Everyone keeps talking about Drive to Survive. £30 million a series. So if you've got £30 million, me and Goody will literally be driving there in an F1 car and we'll do every <laughs> single team. But I think it's such a, a good point that Goody mentions there. We need to be able to see the games. One-stop shop, give us somewhere where every game is on there with expert analysis, great cameras, spider cams, top quality referees. And because we have been positive, let's be negative. It's a shit show at the minute. There you go. I said it. And it's a bit of a shit show at Worcester, isn't it? But it was an emotional day at Six Ways for them over the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the shit show is all about the owners. Jason Whittingham and Colin Goldring. It's quite interesting. You called Colin Goldring. You haven't got a gold ring because... His name ain't Goldring. It is, mate. It's Colin Goldring. It's brown ring. It's not. It is brown <laughs> ring. Or stinky um, ring. Yeah, exactly. I Listen, whatever they found within themselves, you cannot put yourself in that position from an outsider's point of view, not knowing whether you've got a job. You know, some of those boys would have... And people in the city that work and live and breathe that club, what the two owners have put them through is nothing short of a disgrace. I said it, I was pretty passionate about it on here last week. This week it comes out that they borrowed 500 grand from Cecil Duckworth before he passed away and they've not paid that back to the family. It's just an absolute disgrace what they've done. The absolute cowboys. And for what the players and the staff and everyone that's working at the club except for those two owners have managed to do over the last few weeks a in getting two games on at home but b that performance and how they played the emotion around it was was huge and if that is the last time that we see them this year and it potentially is at Worcester at six ways in that guise then you know it's a fitting way to celebrate what Cecil Duckworth did for the club because the people afterwards have been absolute cowboys and you know there's a lot of pride in that jersey there was Matt Kvesic, who has been around the houses, he started at Worcester, came through the academy. I played with him when I was there. He's gone to off to Gloucester because he thought it was a bigger club and a better opportunity for him. He's gone to Exeter as well in the hope of getting England recognition and all that stuff. He's gone full circle, come back to Worcester. He scores the second last try and then puts a lad in for, for, the, for the final try at six ways. And... You know, we'll get onto Newcastle in a bit because they were horrific. But credit to Worcester and everyone involved in it. You've got Ollie Lawrence, a Worcester lad through and through. Went to Bromsgrove School, my school, hell of a school. Loves the area through the academy, and he's trying to smash someone in the 81st minute when the game's won. And it meant so much to those boys. And we just hope that a suitable solution is found where those two cowboys, gold ring. You ain't got a gold ring. You got a brown wing, as Jim says, and Jason Whittingham. You just got to get the hell out of there and let other people take over the club. And Newcastle, that was one of my old clubs as well. They're in a state now. Luckily, there's no relegation because they'd be phoning me up again. I'm up in Newcastle on Friday <laughs> night doing their game against Bristol. Playing like that, they could take 100 points against Bristol. I generally think that. So pull your socks up, Falcons. I'm coming up. I want a night out in Newcastle Friday night. But make sure you got a victory as well because you were absolutely shocking. Dave Wilder said it after the game. Awful. There's been some rumours floating around. What do you guys know? Is there any other stuff that's not in mainstream media that you guys have picked up on? Well, the one thing I know... And I think this is where the RFU need to get involved because people are saying because the RFU 
don't own the clubs. They don't get involved. But I think that they've got a, a duty of care. That's what I think. And I say that because every player that plays in the Premiership, every player that plays in England has to sign a declaration saying that you're an RFU registered player. So what's happening now, and I can say this because I know a couple of lads there or loosely know a couple of lads who's mates with a mate who's not mates with a mate, but it's kind of like Uncle Bob's mate, is that say Duan van der Merwe, Ollie Lawrence want to move club and they wanted to move club last week or the week before or even today before they've gone into administration. They weren't allowed to do that. So they could go and Worcester would be like, well, you can't go because you've got a contract. So therefore, we're going to sue you. Well, that's not going to stand up in court. Where the issue is, is the RFU won't allow them to leave that contract that they've signed, which I think that then brings them into the mix to, be, to, to stand up and do something about the situation that Worcester are in. So if a player at Worcester, if I'm at Worcester at the time, I'd be like, I'm, there, there ain't no loyalty with me, mate. I'm like, I'm gone. Poe, Argen, Breath, wherever you want, I'm going. <laughs> I'm out of it. I'm gone. I'm already gone. But I wouldn't be allowed to go because the RFU, you can't say something blocked me, but they would block me from going and they point back to the contract the agreement that I've signed on the registration so if that is wrong let's just say allegedly that's what I'm told is that they can't leave for that reason which I think shocking so I think the RFU have got a duty of care and I don't know what the financial state of play is with them but they're meant to be the richest union in the world then they need to get involved here. You can't just say, oh, we're not doing anything. There's nothing we can do. It's on Brown Ring and his mate, and they need to go through that process. I think if a player wants to leave, they need to be able to leave and be like, well, look, we don't know if we've got a job next week. So if Poe or Breve want me, I'm gone. I'm out of here, boss. I agree with you. It is difficult, though, because where do you draw the line when a player just isn't happy and wants to up sticks and leave? You see it in football a lot. Well, that's different now, though, isn't it? I know it, it is. Yeah. But to be fair... I think the players have all been paid, haven't they? They got paid late, but from what I understand, the players have been paid up to... The big one's the end of the month. Uh, you know, the difficult thing is if they are suspended from all competitions, then they can... I'm pretty sure every player could walk away then if they wanted to. But then there's other issues around. I've got no doubt some of the road money through image rights and various different mechanisms and how you get paid. And so for the player, do you jump ship and leave? Just say, actually, I'll bin off that 100 grand that they owe me and go somewhere else. Or do you hope that the club gets sorted... And it seems like a lot of them pulled together in that last hope that something gets sorted. And whether it goes into administration, you've got Jim O'Toole talking every day on Twitter about he's got a proposal to get ready. He's got cash ready to go and fund everything. And, and then you don't have to move your kids because everyone to everyone's decision, it's not just you as a rugby player, is it? It's your family as well. But it's like you said, Jim, central contracts just around the corner, aren't they? Did I not say that? How many years ago was that, Goody? Well, it's four. And I've never driven around a corner that's taken about four years. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say just around the corner. Well, we can have a chat now about all the goings-on at Six Ways as Worcester and England centre Ollie Lawrence joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, it's been interesting, interesting uh, 48 hours, but um, yeah, kind of just waiting to see what unfolds as the week as the week goes on, really. Yeah, Ollie, it's class to have you. It would have been better in other circumstances. We've been trying to make it happen for a while, trying to get you on. But as we've got you now, let's start with a positive. Great win at the weekend against Newcastle. And I can't even imagine being in the position that you're in as a player, not just you, the whole team, the squad. And be honest with us, how difficult is it to kind of have in the mind that it could be the last game, it could be the last game for Worcester ever when you go into a game like that? And then that just kind of shows what you are as a team to put in that kind of performance and win. Yeah, I think it's been, I think it's been tricky over the last few weeks mainly like within the weeks because that's when like we've been holding all the meetings 
we've been kind of seeing everything in the press, everything on Twitter. And uh, obviously, we came to Friday and we had a meeting with the head of the RFU, RPA, PRL. And they kind of said to us, like, this is what the crack is. It's likely for Monday you won't be in the league for the next couple of weeks. So we were all just like, right, okay, so unlikely to actually be paid next week and then also not actually able to come into training the club due to our insurance running out. So a lot of boys' heads were fried at that point. So then we had like a meeting within the players about kind of who wanted to play and who didn't feel comfortable playing, obviously, because, say, example, someone out there, touch wood, no one did, but went out there and did their, did their leg or anything. Comes one day, there isn't a club anymore who's going to look after them. So we had those conversations. We decided that the majority was going to hold the vote and we bought, everyone bought into it. Um, and then by the time Friday came, we were all in it. Our eyes were focused on the game. Our perception was, if this is going to be our last game, let's go out on a high. Let's get a win. Let's put a show on for the fans and let's do it for each other. Because like, like we said, we didn't know if this was going to be our last game ever or whether we were hopefully going to have more in the future. I mean, I think we hopefully made the fans proud and definitely made ourselves ourselves proud by uh, getting a good win at home. And um, yeah. Just looking at it, I mentioned this earlier when we were chatting about the, the actual game itself. Now, you talked about insurances and things like that then. No one else outside of the group would have understood how hard it is to think, actually, I don't know whether I'm going to get insured. I watched your very last tackle right at the end of the game where you've absolutely flown in and tried to obliterate someone. There was absolutely no thought in your mind of ever being concerned about getting injured then, was it? Because you're a Worcester lad through and through, obviously a Bromsgrove schoolboy, hell of a school. But it's something that you come through the academy, you care massively about this club. So how hard personally has it been for you and is it for you with, with everything that's hanging over your head? Yeah, it's been difficult because, um, like, yeah, like you just said, I've been I've been like affiliated with the club since I've been fourteen, and it's somewhere for me that that's now home. And over the years, I've I've always stuck by the club. I've always stayed true to staying at Worcester. Yeah, if I'm honest, it was it was an emotional day, either before and after the game, before with friends and the teammates, and after my family, like walking around the stadium, thinking like this could be the last time we take the field. I think I think everyone just wanted to. Give it our all. If it was new boys that joined for the first time this season, they wanted to do it for the boys that have been here for, for however many years. And I think also part of that was for the staff as well, because we know what they've gone through over the last month. And I think it was a whole, like I said, Warriors performance. And I think, um, yeah, I don't think anyone left anything out there on the field. No. And when you mentioned about you were chatting about an injury or if someone picked up a wreck their ACL, for example, what was the general consensus then? What would have happened from there? Did Prem Rugby, did the RFU, how will that get dealt with if someone picked up an injury like that? Because that is, I suppose, the biggest worry, along with the emotional stuff. But for some of the players, that if they play, get injured, what are they meant to do then with rehab and all these things? What have the RFU or the PRL or RPA said? We had the conversation with them and they said that within our contracts, we were insured. So, say, for example, we were to pick up an injury, we would be insured to like have the operation, for example. But then then the whole rehab side of it comes in. Like, if we don't have staff in the club to be able to rehab, who's going to do the rehab? So we actually didn't get onto that conversation. But in terms of the actual, if you did have an injury and needed to have an operation, you would be covered through your contract and you would be covered to be rehabbed. And at some point down the line, you'd have to pick that up. But that would have been a delayed like, process. It wouldn't have been like how normally happens. Something happens on the weekend. You see a specialist by next week, the ops the following week. It, it would have been definitely a, a delayed process, but it's something that we all bought into and we knew the risk going into it. And, Thankfully, it paid off and we came out of it squeaky clean. Yeah, good stuff. Now, ultimately, the big question, the question on everyone's lips, whether you're involved in it or from the outside, is what next? Can you divulge what you've been told as a player, as an employee, as someone that loves the club? Yeah, so um, there's been like talks continuing, I think, with the RFU and the club today. 
and there's been various back-to-back meetings. We've got a meeting of the team this evening, I think via Zoom, Dime said this morning at about eight, nine o'clock this evening, as to whether we're going to be allowed in the building, as to whether we're going to have to move uh, elsewhere to be able to do our gym and our, the players that are doing rehab. So hopefully we'll have answers this evening. But as far as we're aware, we were told we finished the game. The week's off. We're not going to be in this week regardless. Dimes gave us off because as far as we were aware, we, we were going to be suspended today. And then we were kind of just waiting to see that via either an update through the uh, through the WhatsApp group chat or via via Twitter as, as we seem to be getting a lot of our um, information these days. Is anything filtering down from the owners? Nothing really as of much as to what's happening. We haven't really had much direct contact with the owners in terms of as a group individual players have spoken to the owners in drips and drabs and I believe Dimes has had conversations with them but it's we've been very much out the loop and I think that's still the case so we've kind of we've done everything we can do now obviously you've seen over the last few weeks we've done posts we've done tweets we've done a numerous amount of things to kind of put pressure on not I wouldn't say yeah put pressure on the owners just to kind of speak up and just to tell us what's happening because if they're open and honest and just tell us like, yeah, lads, it's going to be difficult for them the next month or yeah, you might be getting paid late this month. Like it makes things a lot easier for boys to like make plans, whether that's like with their mortgages or whether that's like whatever they have to do. Not everyone's in that fortunate position where they can take money out of the savings account and use that for this month or they can take money from here and use it for there or they've got expendable money, which it, it doesn't make a difference for a month or two. But there are players in our team that live month to month. And I think those are the people that we have to think about and, that was the difficult situation within the team is there was a lot of players stressing with families and with kids and we just wanted to know what was going on and we kind of have not been in the, in the know for, for a very long time now. So um, it's been good that the RFU and the PRL have stepped in now, but whether they could have done it sooner, I mean, who knows, but we're in the situation that we're in now and hopefully we can come out of it and there is light at the end of the tunnel, but at the moment there's a lot of uncertainty and I'm hoping throughout the next 24 to 48 hours we'll actually have a better update as to where we stand. Yeah, it's pretty horrific the way they've handled things. I think the, the two owners, I can say that from my perspective, absolute cowboys. But let's go on to a positive then because obviously the victory was great. The game was your third biggest ever win in the Premiership. But more importantly, the night out on Saturday. Going into Worcester, I know there's a lot of fans knocking around as well and it was a real family atmosphere. How good was Saturday night and did Steve Diamond neck any pints or was he just pulling them behind the bar? <laughs> nah, there was a bit of both. I mean, um, we'd, we'd planned like a little... A little gathering because it was um it was my birthday last week so we decided to get all the partners and all the players and staff together this weekend just hide out a place and got everyone together and then obviously with everything that turned out it ended up kind of being like a we don't know what's next thing so let's just throw everyone in if any fans wanted to come down and times went through the town went to a few local pubs and stuff saw some of the fans and then a few of them ended up in the last place where we were at but it was a really good night it was really good to have everyone together forgetting about kind of everything that had been going on at the club. We'd just come off the back of the win, enjoy the night. And then I think a few boys carried it on into Sunday. And then, uh, yeah, today we were kind of back to business, kind of back to the drawing board and hoping uh, everything's work out. When you look at Steve Diamond, he's a person that seems to have divided opinion across the board in rugby. He's someone that we speak highly of. We, we like him as a, as a bloke. We had him on, actually, uh, first week. So getting great access to him. But he seems to have gone up in a lot of, people's estimations around the world globally now how he's handled this how has it been on the inside for you working with someone who could basically if anyone walked through that door he could probably throw them through the door if uh, he didn't <laughs> like what he was hearing 
Nah, he's been cast, to be honest with you. The biggest dilemma he had was keeping the group together. I think that was that was the main thing he wanted to achieve from all of this, was man- making sure that whatever crap was going on over the far side, that our rugby side of the building was, was aligned and we were together in all of it. And I think he's done an amazing job of that. He's always tried to give us as much open clarity as he, as he can without obviously giving everything away as obviously the certain stuff that he won't be able to tell us. But he's kept us in the know as much as he can. And we've, he's held multiple meetings trying to keep boys up to date as much as he could. And like, there's only credit to him. I think, like you said, he has got those mixed opinions of, of, uh, of times. But at this club, there's only been a, there's only been a good one. Um, and I think he's made a real impact on this club. Yeah. What happens in the scenario if you went in now or yesterday or in three or four days' time and say that you want to leave? Say someone comes in, they saw your performance at the weekend or the first game of the season and you're like, right, Gloucester have come in for me. Are you allowed to leave? No. You're not? So with all this going on, you're not allowed to find another club. You've just got to sit and wait. Yeah. So there's there's been a lot of questions asked about this. So... um None of us are allowed to just leave because technically our, our, none of our contracts have been breached. When we do not get paid, they have a 14-day window to pay you. And that's always been here. In terms of suspension from the league, again, it's not a breach of your contract because if they pay you, then technically you're still part of the club. You can ask to leave. And I think a few boys have. One boy's been allowed. Other boys have been turned down. I think now we're on to a new matter where if we're suspended from the league, it's going to be a question of, right, can we go on loan to this club or to this club? Um, and that's a conversation that a lot of boys will be having with Dimes. And I think it's a sensible option for players that, like for someone like Duan, for example, or Rory, who obviously have got the autumns and stuff coming up, like they want to keep playing 80 minutes to rugby. And it's important for them to, to get their game time. Dewey's only played one eighty minutes and like he wants to keep playing. And there's a lot of other boys in similar positions. But at the end of the day, the final say goes down to the owners. Like if they want to let you leave, they will let you leave. If they don't want to, then they're the ones that control what we do. Who would you fancy playing for then if you could go on loan? Can we ask you that? Is that too much? <laughs> who wouldn't you go to? Can you tell us who you wouldn't want to go to? <laughs> I don't think I'd be travelling all the way up to Newcastle, no offence. I don't think that'd be uh that'd be first on the list. I don't think I'd want to be moving too far away to go on to go on loan for a few weeks. Um but yeah, no, I think there's a few options I'd like to I'd like to look at, and I've had those conversations with with Dimes and with obviously with my agent and stuff. And um, it's just to keep continuing training, like that's the main thing. Even if you don't play for these teams, just being able to train week in week out is the main thing for me. So um, fingers crossed, everything works out um, in terms of hopefully with the club, and I don't have to take that option. If things don't work out at the club, then hopefully I'm allowed to take those options and um, try and get some try and get some rugby elsewhere. So last thing I asked you, obviously, you know, we saw you involved with England at times. Has Eddie Jones been in touch at all? I know it's a pretty difficult time for you as an individual, as a player, someone that loves the club. But has Eddie been in touch at all around where you stand in the squad and maybe putting an arm around a few players? I actually spoke to him Sunday and we caught up and he just asked me about the situation at Worcester, how things were, uh, what I was looking to do, what he's looking from looking from me personally from uh, on the field standpoint and we're kind of aligned in our thinking in, in that regard and yeah that's kind of as much as we've spoken about and I know what I need to do now so that just involves me getting on the field and kind of doing what I do best and uh, repeating that week in week out. Ollie I'm just conscious in these sort of situations that we kind of dictate the flow of the interview and what you talk about but is there anything that you kind of want to get off your chest when it comes to maybe like a, a message to either your teammates, the owners, your fans, anything like that that we haven't discussed already? To my teammates and to the fans, I just want to say thank you for sticking by us through all of this. Like, it's not easy, especially those first two games. Like, we probably didn't give our best representation of us as a team and where we were at, regardless of whether we had preseason games or not. Uh, we didn't want to use that as an excuse or look as look as victims. 
and that's something that um we proud like we pride ourselves in and i think it's been like amazing the support we've had from the community from the fans from all the players and staff and that is the main thing and only we can hope now is that from future reference that when people are in charge at the top that the credible checks are taken and i think that needs to be something looked at for future reference to maybe whether that's a yearly or a, every couple of years they're rechecked because things can go up and down obviously covid took a massive a massive hit on a lot of clubs um, and as we all know rugby isn't isn't a profitable business so that needs to be changed and whatever way that can that can be done i think this is an example of it and one which that um, it needs to be addressed not just for the sake of our team but for the sake of the future of the premiership really Absolutely. Ollie, I should have mentioned as well, before you go, that me and Goody were with your old man. It could have been five years ago, Goody. A long time, that, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a while ago. And I remember sat there and said, we, it happens a lot. Oh, my lad's going to be a good rugby player. He's this, he's that. We're just nodding. So we're nodding at your dad like, yeah, mate, we've heard it all before. Turns out it was you. I knew Jim. You, you did say that. that. <laughs> well, I was just like, yeah, all right. Well, yeah, okay, we'll see. Turns out it was you. And you've turned into not just a great rugby player, but a great bloke as well and a great front man for you know the, the club that you're deep rooted to and uh, I think it's credit to yourself with everything that you're going through me and Goody were talking about it earlier it'd be easy for people just to say you know what fuck this I'm gone whether or not I can go or not I'm gone deal with it after so yeah. I think it's credit to yourself mate and a lot of the lads that uh, are there and the people in the background that probably don't get the profile or the platform to talk about it because it, it must be a shit time and you know I think it speaks volumes the game at the weekend just coming away and winning that yeah, no, I appreciate that, and I think, like, rightly or wrongly, I've probably, I've probably commented on a few situations over the last couple of months, whether that's to do with the owners or whether that's to do with how things are at the club. And rightly or wrongly, I did want to voice my opinion, whether or not that's an accurate statement. Well, we'll have to wait and see about that. But someone had to be a vocal point for our team, and it couldn't just be Dimes. And it wasn't fair for him to take all, all of the backlash as much as he, he wanted to do that. We're all involved in this together, and sometimes it takes players to speak up to do that. And uh, like I said, it's going to differ from opinions as to whether that was right or wrong to do. But like I said, I, I gave my opinion at the time as to as to what I thought. Hopefully, I'm I'm proven wrong and we come out of this and we can have our heads uh, held high and we can all all part ways on the right way. But yeah, for now, I think let's just keep our fingers fingers crossed that uh, the the best situation comes of this. Yeah, well, they say there's a, there's a great motivator. I don't know what they say. You see it on Instagram all the time. With adversity comes something good. I don't know what it is. I ain't going to say it because I ain't a motivator. But hopefully that is the case, mate. We've got our fingers and toes and all that cross for you. Last thing I want to say, obviously, I think it was the right thing that you did. It's your opinion, but I do need to ask you your opinion on something else as well. Steve Diamond and his tight T-shirts. Where's he getting them from? Because he looks good. For 64, he looks like he's ready to get down with the spoons and have a scrap. Every he time. ain't 64, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. Did you give him some bant on that? Well, to be fair, I've kind of stayed away from the bant, honestly. I, really, uh, I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to piss him off too early when I first came in. I was like, I have to give him side I've not played for a, for a while now. But um, once things are... Uh, are all sweet now at the club. I think we're going to have to start getting him a few larger T-shirts. He's, uh, I think he's enjoying, the, he's enjoying the gym a bit too much, getting on that bench press, I think. But he loves, he loves those tight T-shirts, but maybe it's his missus doing the washing, who knows. <laughs> Ollie, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. We really, really appreciate it. No, cheers. Well, thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. I hope everything goes well. Cheers, Ollie. Thanks for that, mate. Top lad. Top man. Yeah, absolutely is. A wonderful ambassador for that club. Uh, as he said there, he's been there. He's Bromsgrove schoolboy. He's been involved with the club since he's 14. He's fronted everything. Unbelievable rugby player as well, mind. But also, what a lovely, well-balanced human being. You know, all the strife that they've gone through. And he speaks the way he does. And he obviously loves the club. He's a credit to himself, to the club, to his dad, to absolutely everyone that's involved with him. You've said it. I didn't say anything more. Legend.
This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash! Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Well, let's look at the other premiership games now then. Wasps, goody, nearly gave up another big lead in the second half, but held on to beat Bath 39-31, didn't they? They did, you know, and we've spoken at length about Worcester and what's gone on there. Obviously, the Wasp players in a very similar position as well around not really knowing the full story with what's going on financially at the club and major questions around the bond. We've seen last week, I did a column on it for Rugby Pass, that Wasps have signalled their intention to go into administration, that basically gives them 10 working days of leeway to find a solution. And do you know what? HMRC have come in, and this is the truth of the matter, HMRC had a payment plan with Wasps. So Wasps owed HMRC cash, a significant amount of cash, but they had an agreed payment plan. So as people do with credit, you have a payment plan to pay things off, whether it's your sofa, whether it's, you know, you can do it yourself with a tax man, whatever. You can have a payment plan. If you can't afford there and then to pay all the cash over to what you owe, you can have a payment plan put in place. Was had that. HMRC came in and just said, actually, sod the payment plan. We want the money now. And that's where they've gone. We haven't got two million quid in the bank to go, right, here's two million quid. We're not liquid in that sense. But we can stick to the payment plan that we've already agreed with you. HMRC said, well, if you don't pay it, here's a winding up order. And, you know, the club will then go into administration and receivership, whatever, whatever. So WAS have been proactive. They've signaled their intention to go into administration, which gives them 10 days to try and find the 2 million quid that HMRC are after. At the end of those 10 days, if HMRC can see that the money is readily available and nearly ready to go and they can prove it wasps then they'll get a further 10 days to extend. So with all that going on, the players to pull out that performance as they did in the first half was absolutely fantastic. The attacking intent of them, the offloading game, it was ridiculous at times. But I know they're playing Bath, who, you know, had a horrific season last year. Van Graham's come in and he's, you know, slowly trying to implement his plans. 
but Wash flew out the blocks with all the unknowns that were going on that week. For the players to rock up down in Bath on Friday night for the first 40 minutes and play the way they did. You know, you've got Jacob Umunga coming on at fullback and starting there. He was ridiculously good. Odendal in the centres was ridiculous. His offloads were outstanding. Sam Spunk, Spink, sorry, Spink was, you know, running really hard in the centres. And it was an all-court performance by Wasps. But I tell you what, Bath, they did it, Jim. They sent Stuart Hooper into that shed at half-time and he came out with that arousing speech and they found it within themselves to get aroused and found some driving line-outs and nearly won it, didn't they? They did. I don't know what to make of Bath at all. I thought they would be better this season, like as in just overall in general. When you look at the profile of their players, but I don't know, it's one of them weird things in rugby, isn't it? Especially premiership rugby, when you look at the quality that they've got that they can't perform. But, you know, like Franco Smith said, Van Graham, he inherited that team. It's not his team. So it'd be interesting to see if he can turn it around. Well, Leicester were comfortable in the East Midlands derby against Northampton, weren't they? Very comfortable. A team that kicks the balls a lot in Leicester can score tries against Northampton. How? Why? Touch? Why? What? Pressure? Well, I'll tell you what. You said they were comfortable. They weren't. To start the game, in the first half, they weren't comfortable at all. Saints came out and their attack was on point. Freeman was outstanding. Mitchell at nine was brilliant. The fizz they put on the ball, they're offloading again. Their angles. Hutchinson was unbelievable as well. And then you just go back to, and I don't want to say I told you so, but I'm going to. I told you so. We talked about it a few weeks ago when we were previewing the Prem and I said about Saints and their tight five. When you just slow it down and make the boys scrum, it just doesn't work. Coley came into his own and Leicester ran away with it at the end. And fair play, Saints were rocking Leicester at times with their attacking intent, with their how clinical they were in attack. But Leicester just put them under pressure. It went to scrums. Coley absolutely owned Iogan the lucid proper at Saints. And he will be one hell of a player, Iogan. He's a young kid and you have to learn at the Cole face. And he learned in Dan Cole's face. I get what you've done there. And it's not a pretty face. It is not a pretty fight. It's an old face, but an old dog sometimes knows the most tricks. So therefore, he could probably lick it. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> he got hammered. He did. He did. And do you know what? Coley's mates... It all happened last week, Jim. Coley saw you down at Ben and Tom Young's testimonial dinner and... Not only did he give you a nod, shake your hand, high-five you, said your best mates again, and then he gets man of the match. So basically, it's down to you at the dinner with those two bottles of red wine. Did Coley drink that night or not? He, he apparently crawled out of the place. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, allegedly. So uh, it's down to red wine with Jim Hamilton, Dan Cole, and he gets man of the match. But yeah, it's all about the scrums. You're not winning anything without a scrum. You know, Saints looked really sharp in attack at times, but when Leicester just did what they do, and Steve Borthwick was pretty honest about it after the game he said we don't try and pretend to be anything we're not we're Leicester we work hard we play a tough brand of rugby you know the old school sort of DNA of the club has come out in scrums driving malls kick chase hard graft big defence and they ended up walking over Ashy came on and got booed didn't he well I'm not surprised scoring for Leicester against Northampton but Freddie Stewart gets a hat trick and um, yeah it was comfortable in the end for Leicester they had about four in the bin at one point and I had a load of Northampton fans coming at me for Carl Dixon's performance just saying he was a joke but I didn't really see it, honestly. I was well happy with Leicester winning. Let's have a look at the URC now. Great to hear a moment of applause for Eddie Butler before every game, wasn't it? Oh, it was, yeah. And Eddie Butler, who I spent a bit of time with last season. And I think I say this, and it's meant to be in the nicest and kindest way, because I think we underestimated actually how powerful and how much influence he had on this great game until now, the sad news that he's gone. 
you look at the emotion and the outpouring in the shadows of the Queen's death and funeral that's come out for Eddie Butler, it's just a measure of the man, really. And then the stuff comes out of the stuff that he's said before, the stuff that he's been involved in, the voiceover that he did for the British and Irish Lions doc, and you just think, wow, not only have we lost a truly great man, but the voice as well, and rightly so, the URC, the competition that he still commentated on, and he is synonymous with Welsh rugby, a Welsh rugby legend, British and Irish legend as well. Sad, sad loss, and I think everyone felt that in and around the URC, especially with the traditional teams that were there, you know, back in the days of Pro 10, Pro 12, and what have you. So our thoughts are with Eddie Butler's family and people that were close to him. And uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be a, a tough man to follow. That's for sure. Here, here, Jim. Let's look at some of the action on the field. And should we start with the Dragons? Well, we should start in Wales. Let's do that. Let's segue into a positive Welsh story because there weren't many others. Apologies, the Welsh teams. But my goodness me, we haven't even spoken about what happened last week. Well, allegedly what's happened last week because no one has come out and even told us what's happening from the Dragons that Dean Ryan has left the building. Goody. So I don't know whether his comments that he made that we then made light of on the rugby pod went out to the millions of listeners has been taken hold by the friends and family of the Dragons players. But apparently Dean Ryan's gone. That's it. It's all she wrote. I know, and I felt pretty bad actually because obviously his interview post round one when they got absolutely humperdinked up in Edinburgh, I'm sat there and I, just, I said it. I, I like Dean Ryan's interview. I like Dean Ryan. I had a lot of time for him. Coached me at under-21s for England. I had a bit of back and forth with him at times when... Yeah, in, in a good way when he was Gloucester coach. And a lot of respect for the man. We lived in Cheltenham together. We've had a few beers together over time. And you look at it, and I've gone out there and I said, actually, fair play. I like the way he's just gone hard at his players because they weren't good enough. Because a lot of coaches protect their players. Next thing you know, he's been ejected from the building. And I'm like, geez. Obviously, it's not because I've said, or Jim said, we like the fact that he's gone hard at his players. But then people started messaging me going, oh, you've seen you've got Dean Ryan the sack because of what you said in the podcast. It's not been confirmed. No, what it's about, I'm sure there's no smoke without fire. You know, there's no smoke without Marlborough Lights. And in reality, I think you look at it and he's obviously trying to find a way of coming to an agreement where they've mutually agreed to terminate the contract. But in doing so, Dragons are going to have to pay Dean Ryan out, aren't they? Because he's obviously mid-contract. ching ling 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 Yeah, and that's what it's about. That's what contracts are for, right? So if you get sacked, you've either had to have done something pretty horrific and have gone through all the different disciplinary issues in your contract where you get a, a verbal warning, a written warning, a final warning, and then you're sacked. Or they want to sack you, so you have to come up with, there's X amount left on my contract. We're only going to pay you Y for it. And then you negotiate to get the highest fee. I've been there myself and you see what you get. So I believe that's what's going on. But my goodness me, from one coach, I'm not going to say anything about Graham Roundtree. His first two games as a Munster coach, they've lost because they end up getting sacked. And I love Graham Wiggs, Villy Roundtree, O Roundtree. But fair play to the Dragons boys. It's galvanised them. Whatever Dean Ryan did and said, whether they all hated him for saying it, it's worked because they've got their first victory on home soil for 17 months. It was class. They had a winger playing for them, the Dragons, called Rio Dyer. My goodness me. He's put the air dryer through Malachi Fekatoa and Peter O'Mahony. He's gone straight through the middle, blasted through, finished. And then at the end of the game as well, he made a break on the outside, absolutely skinned Zebo, and sets up a, well, they end up getting a penalty off the resulting scrum that wins in the game. 
it's one of them when you lose a coach allegedly if he has gone but if you do lose a coach like that and it's one of them where we've seen it before with a number of different teams Alex Anderson's mentioned it when he goes to sale and there's a change of guard with the coaches you get this response an issue when someone comes in Harlequins as well look what happened when Guzzi left and they ended up winning the Premiership. Ashley left as well. Oh yeah, very true. Ashley left as well. Imagine Ashley, look at him now. He's scoring tries, winning Premierships and he's at a bloody live show, the lucky bugger. But you wonder whether it's a reflection on the player, the players, the coach or the culture. I can't answer the question, but it's interesting that Dragons have gone and beat Munster. I mean, but that's a huge win in the context of it. We don't know whether Dean Ryan's there or not. Dive Flanagan's taken the reins. And he's taken the reins of a dragon that, for the first time, I think, ever, we can say they're now breathing fire. <laughs> yeah, well done, Jim. But there is either going to be one very angry man or one very happy man. So Dean Ryan could be very angry. And I'll just hold you responsible, Jim. You went down to interview him a few weeks ago, didn't you? And then he ends up getting sacked. So for the future, anyone that's in a job, don't let Jim interview you because you end up getting sacked, possibly. Allegedly. Well, we had Stuart McCloskey on last week. I'm sure that won't be the case for him. Ulster absolutely hamperdink Scarlet's away, didn't they? Anything over 50 is a humperdinking. You're absolutely right. Away from home as well. Ulster looked very good. And you say that with Dean Ryan with the interview and it's caused his demise, allegedly, if that is the case. Stuart McCluskey and Ulster and Ireland, you're welcome because we had him <laughs> on last week. And it was actually interesting watching the responses of him coming on and being so candid. How good was he last week on the podcast, by the way? Yeah, it was great. People in agreement because other articles were picked up outside of the podcast or ones that he'd done. And the general consensus is that he should have significantly more island caps. But anyway, he put 55 points on a Welsh team. So it's not great in Wales, is it? But to be fair, the man that gave Stuart McCloskey some stick via DMs to me, John Cooney, he was back. His hair looked on point. I was trying to find the bold spot that Stuart McCloskey mentioned. Couldn't see it anywhere. And it should be easy to see a bold spot on top of John Cooney's head because he's only about four foot tall. But my God, what a performance. He's ridiculously good. He's come back. He scored two tries. He's made three assists. Kicked 30 points and scored tries. 30 points in total in the game. Not quite as good as my 33 in that one premiership game, John Cooney. But my God, it was good. He was brilliant. So uh, great to see Cooney back on some sparkling form. And Ulster looking good. Jim, how'd the Scottish teams get on, mate? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I say that. Edinburgh didn't win. They almost won. It came down to the final kick of the game. And you remember, Goody, two years ago when the Lions was on, and we, well, not quite two years ago, 18 months ago, where we were like taking the mick, or you were taking the mick out of Mornay Stay and saying he's about 50. He's done it again, hasn't he? He's done it again this weekend. <laughs> last kick of the game. Well, it was the second to last kick of the game. It looked like they'd won it to give it to the Bulls 31-30. And then Henry Immelman got a, an opportunity on halfway. Well, just inside actually and missed it but Edinburgh their attack looks phenomenal at the minute looks really really good and I think they're the real deal Darcy Graham scored a hat trick I mean to go down there and the balls we know how good they are well apparently they won the URC said some idiot who does a podcast (laughs) they did not win it James (laughs) I know they didn't win it so Edinburgh fair play they're looking very good but on the flip side of that you mentioned the Scottish teams Glasgow Glasgow, my goodness me. Like we thought they might. They needed a bounce back. Not played at Scotston in six months or something ridiculous. Might have even been longer than that. But they put an arm on Cardiff, who, as we know, beat Munster last week. Very impressive. And without going too much detail into the game, for Scottish fans, we've got two Scottish potential players. One that plays for Scotland, Sione Tuapalotu, who was world-class and a guy called Jack Dempsey at number eight for Glasgow, who's played for Australia, 
Scotland qualified. I'm telling you now, if this lad chooses to play for Scotland or gets picked to play for Scotland, sorry, then Scotland have got an opportunity of winning the World Cup, I reckon, in oh, here we 2020. Go. Here I know, we go. it's that time. The momentum's gathering. Mate, is your winning the World Cup finishing fourth in the Six Nations? That's as good as you're going to get, right? Fourth. <laughs> if we finish third, I'll be happy. If we finish third, I feel like we've won it. But Jack Dempsey, Glasgow number eight, sensational. And one other headline out of that game, which ain't great news, Rory Darge, one of our best players for Scotland, wrecked himself in the jackal. And it looks like he's going to have a long time out on the sidelines. And I reckon something needs to be done around the jackal area because that ain't sustainable. Everyone's talking about head trauma, concussion. And yes, that's serious business. We're talking about career-ended injuries. We saw Jack Willis had a few nasty ones. Dan Levy has retired off the back of his horrific injury that he got in the breakdown as well in that Jacqueline position. Rory Darge as well. I don't know. It doesn't look good, does it, for being in that position? But anyway, there's a lot to sieve through at the minute. But we wish Rory Darge well and hopefully he recovers in time for the Six Nations going into the World Cup. What do you think they can do? I reckon what they need to do, because again, this is something that's doing the rounds on social media. And again, Andrew, with your TMO, and because you're desperate to get into that refereeing world, is your head allowed to be below your hips? Well, I think the letter of the law book says no. There you go. Really? I can just see, and we saw a few examples of Quinns doing it on the counter-ruck. I think the counter-ruck might be the way forward, because then what that might do is open space. If you don't get the counter-ruck, or you take the risk to counter-ruck and blast through... If you don't get it right, you've got space on the outside and it might take that risk. Well, it definitely will take that risk element out of it. So you're saying there shouldn't be any jacklers, but you're allowed to go and blast the ruck and counter-ruck? I've not seen many injuries when there's counter-rucking. Have a look at what Bundyaki did at the weekend and then come back and talk to me. But he's clearing out the jackler. Exactly. But counter-rucking, what are you doing? Counter-rucking, you're more static. My counter-rucking, anyway, you're static. Bundyaki's trying to get rid of the jackler. I actually thought this was quite a harsh card. I don't think Bundyaki's gone in there to injure anyone like Darcy Swains I think he's just gone in physically and he's made contact with the head I don't know how you meant to clear someone out it's almost one of them where you, now you just be like we just need to leave it big fella right let's finish things off then with the good the bad and the ugly plenty of good to start off with we're going to go to Bristol's Bristol's they've started the season exceptionally well they won again at the weekend that's three on the spin for them and the first time they've won their opening three games since 1999 before your debut, that was, Jim, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Young lad. I was just finishing school there. That was where me and Miss Good had an embrace and I thanked her for turning me into an upstanding gentleman. You're welcome, Mrs. Good. Let's go to Tigers. They won the 250th East Midlands derby at the weekend. Dan Cole, he's now mates with Jim Hamilton. Thank goodness for you, eh, Jim? You've got Dean Ryan sacked, and we'll come on to that in a bit, but you've got Coley back into England form. And possibly being picked by being his friend and having two bottles of red wine responsibly with him. So, uh, no coincidence, he gets man of the match after spending a night with Jim Hamilton. So, well done to Dan Cole and well done to Leicester Tigers. Yeah, thank me when he makes the England squad. Don't thank me just yet. Yeah, good stuff. Let's go over to the URC for a bit then. Dan Sheehan got four tries for Leinster in their win over Benetton. Do you get four tries in your career, Jim? You must have. You got three against India. You got one in the Prem final that you told us about. You must have scored another one somewhere. Well, actually, I had to score in Marder Plata for Argentina. But more on Dan Sheehan. Big shout out to his brother as well. Dan Sheehan's carving up, but we're out carving it up with his brother, weren't we, in Dublin? Say no more. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Sticking with the URC in Ireland, let's go to Ulster and John Cooney. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, a ridiculous performance from him. 30 points in the game, two tries, three assists, and he was instrumental in Ulster's spanking of the Scarlets down in Wales. 
Let's go over to the top 14. Perpignan, they beat Toulon at home, 19 points to 13. So a big win for them. We'll stay in the top 14 in that south of France region. Bayonne as well, they beat Bordeaux at home. Bayonne have been absolutely shocking. So a uh, big shout out to those boys for beating Bordeaux, 20 points to 15. What else was good? Let's go back to the Premiership. Let's go to the Chiefs versus Quinns game, 43-42. Uh, absolutely ridiculous humdinger uh, a hell of a match game of two halves outstanding work from both the Chiefs and the Quins. let's stick in the Premiership James let's get Wasps in the goo this week shall we I don't think with everything going on that the Andy Goo suite is coming back anytime soon but let's try and make it happen go on it might open again in November you never know but yeah Wasps they had a tough week with the financial issues off the field but an outstanding attacking performance in that first half, especially Jacob Umunga was absolutely class, I thought, at fullback. Offload central, some brilliant lines. Good win for Wasp down at Bath. I thought about giving this team the good this week because they never really get... Well, I can't even remember if they've ever got a mention of the good. But the Dragons get a mention of the good this week. They nearly won it, boys. They really did. We've given them absolute pelters on here. Loads of stick, but they won their first home game in 17 months beating Munster 23 points to 17 down at Rodney Parade. Jim got Dean Ryan the sack, I think, but the Dragons, they got their victory. Uh, so they get mentioned the good, but they don't win the good because an old team of mine wins the good this week and it can only go to one place and that is Worcester Warriors. All the turmoil in the world, off the field, boys and girls not knowing whether they're coming and going, not knowing whether they're getting paid, not knowing whether they've got a club to go to next week or the week after, what they're going to do in their lives and their careers and they managed to put on an absolute show for the fans that turned up to watch them. They spanked the Falcons 39 points to five. It's their third biggest win in the Premiership ever. So a massive congratulations to Steve Diamond, to the coaches, to all the players, uh, and all the fans that have stuck through them th through thick and thin. They had a big night out in Worcester on Saturday night as well. So um, shout out to the Worcester boys. They're going to get the good this week. Yeah, Let's move on to the bad then. And we're going to start off in Wales, but it's actually in Scotland. Uh, they don't win it, actually. Cardiff, they shipped 52 points up in Glasgow, as you know, Jim. They got their pants pulled down, as did the Scarlets. They were at home. They conceded 55 points at home to Ulster, so they get mentioned the bad. Uh, what else was bad? Falcons, incredibly poor at Worcester. There was a lot of emotion for Worcester, but Falcons just didn't turn up at all. Dave Walder wasn't happy after the game, but he said they've had words in the changing room. What else was bad? Bath played three, lost three in the Prem. Not good from them. Munster, they lost at the Dragons. And it's the first time ever that they've started a season with back-to-back -back losses. So they get a mention in the bad this week. Uh, over in France, Racing are going to get a mention in the bad. 37 points to 10. They lost at Toulouse. But the good news is, Stuart Lancaster is signed to be their head coach from next season. They're going to lose a few games this year. But when Lanny gets there, it'll all be sorted. Because he has some record at Leinster that he'll take across hopefully to Racing and make them into world beaters uh, but the bad this week is going to go to Australian rugby James oh god what why what's happened well let me just explain what happened here Darcy Swain we talked about it the other week didn't we how long will he get we wanted 12 and we thought 12 well I said we wanted we wanted a year but we, we thought 12 yeah well anyway he's got a six-week ban because it was deemed a mid-range offense which was reckless and not intentional if you're asking me he's gone for his knee Without a shadow of a doubt, it's intentionally he's gone for his knee. But anyway, so the Sanzar Disciplinary Commission gave him a six-week ban. And effectively, what Australia did, and this is the naughty bit, Australia called him up for the A-team tour that they've got to Japan, knowing full well that he's going to get a ban. So basically, they're like, oh, we've called him up to that squad. So those games that he's going to play or would have played for Australia A on the tour, they'll count towards his ban. So basically, he's not going to hardly miss any games and he'll be available for 
a big part of the November tour. So the Australian Rugby Union are taking the piss. Manipulating the system, you mean? They are. They are manipulating the system. So the bad this week goes to Darcy Swain and the disciplinary process where he's only got a six-week ban. They're making up games that he would have played in, he wouldn't have played in, so he doesn't really miss much rugby and uh, he'll be able to play again in November. Uh, Ugly, two bits of ugly this week. First and foremost, we're going to go down to Exeter. It's something to do with a Scottish player. Stuart Hogg's lid. He's gone for the top (laughs) knot. He's gone for the die. Who's his hairdresser? Because he's had an absolute shocker. Andrew, this is like this is going to kill him. This is like going to break him because it's you who's saying this. Who you could say that you have the worst lid ever, not just professional rugby in rugby to a grace rugby field. And I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to be. He's like a Scottish Jack Noel. That's what I think he's trying to be. I don't know what it is, but... Was it a streak of bird shit or has he actually dyed that blonde? <laughs> to me, it looked like a dildo, but I didn't want to say anything. It looked like a yellow dildo. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to put that out because I don't know what you can and can't say. He might say it's like a ferret's tail. I don't know. Anyway, he doesn't win the ugly, but he gets a mention in there. Who's his hairdresser? Because that is shocking. But the ugly this week, and we're going to disagree about this then, Jim, because I've given it to Bundyaki. Sent off for a dangerous clear out into the head and neck area not long after he came on as a substitute. But more importantly, the way he starts arguing with the referee after he's been given the red card. You ain't ever changing a referee's decision there after he's gone to the TMO. But he started following around the field going, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Where am I going? Ask him, cuz. Ask him, bro. To his captain. So uh, not a good look by Bundyaki. And that's why he gets the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout out to finish off with. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, I've got a big shout out to Gene Backhouse, who suffered a spinal injury at the weekend while playing for Thorny RFC. Uh, Matt Neal has been in touch and a GoFundMe page has been set up, which you can find by searching either him or looking at the club's Facebook page. But Gene, big shout out. And here's hoping for a full and speedy recovery from myself, Goody, and everyone at the pod. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, producer Tristan and Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and get your tickets to Wednesday's live show at eventbrite.co.uk and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Rugby spot. Spotted pod, 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 pod. Uh-huh.